we're back with another Behind the Yellow Line. we got a full crew here tonight. Jeremy is here. Randall is here. The Cubs are playing great baseball. They've won five in a row. They are one under 500 as we record this on the night of July 26th. The Cubs just knocked off a two-game sweep of the Chicago White Sox after taking three of four from the Cardinals. So I think we're getting a happy Randall tonight, Jeremy, as we get this thing going again. Good to see you both here for the first time in a few weeks. Yeah, Ron, it's good to see you too. You've been uh, globe trotting. You were in Europe. You know, uh, we want to give you time to uh, to talk about that, and we will. I just want to jump in at the top of the show here as we record. Literally, the White Sox have just traded Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez oh. to the Angels. Wow. Like, as we record, wow, like, right across the damn wire. Wow. That's incredible. Randall we'll get to that there. We'll we'll get to that though. So, Ronan, tell us about your trip. Well, I had a good time. I was in Scotland for four days. I was in Ireland for ten days. And uh, first time as an adult, as a working adult, I've taken two straight weeks off from a job to uh, travel. And it was fantastic. Um, the day back, when you have 900 emails, that is not fantastic. No, nobody but, loves that uh, day. <laughs> but man, it was a great trip. Ireland's a lot of fun. Scotland's a lot of fun. Um, there was beer consumed. <laughs> there, were, there were castles walked in and lots of good times with good people. And a fair amount of Major League Baseball gear in both Ireland and Scotland. And I wanted to ask you guys, if you want to make a prediction, what team did I see the most apparel of between Ireland and Scotland? And it was, it was by a long shot. I mean, it was I'm, overwhelmingly one versus everybody else. I'm going to go Boston Red Sox. That was my guess. I was also going to say the Red Sox in Ireland. Uh, but if it's not the Red Sox, I'll make a guess just be different from Randall. I will say they're bitter rivals, the Yankees. It is a team in that division. Wow. The Toronto Blue Jays. Ooh, wow. Tons, tons of Blue Jays gear. Jersey tops, hats, pullovers. Uh, shocking. Uh, plenty of Cubs stuff. A handful of White Sox apparel. But uh, definitely Toronto Blue Jays. Just overwhelmingly. And I thought, okay, all those Canadians that go over to Europe and do a little bit of summer travel, sporting the uh, home team there in Toronto. So I thought that was kind of fun. It's crazy. That sounds like yeah. a good time. Uh, it was there. a good time. Surprising, though, to see Toronto gear over yeah. there. Randall and I were thinking, you know, they got that Boston kind of connection. Yeah, but, Boston, uh, Irish, or, you know, yeah. East, like Eastern Seaboard overseas. Yeah, I would not have guessed Toronto. Now, Ronan, I need to ask. You said there was beer consumed. You said there was castles. Mm. Was there beer consumed in castles? Uh, there was beer. There was beer consumed prior to entering a castle. I did not I did not consume beer in the castle, but there was a boat ride to an island that had a bunch of old structures too that was about a thousand years old. Wow. And there was some uh whiskey consumed on that boat too on the way to that island. So that was fun. And, and was then fun. my second question, what is the state of baseball in Ireland? And will we be seeing you managing Team Ireland for the twenty twenty seven World Baseball Classic? I hope so. Uh, the state of baseball in Ireland is there's not a whole lot of interest. Uh, honestly, what was going on right now that's unique to Ireland, and the championship is actually this Sunday, was the Gaelic football Ooh. tournament that they do every year. And you've got teams from every county, both in the north and the south, and they play Gaelic football. That was fun to be around. I've been to those games in the past. Seeing the communities at the bar watching those matches was a lot of fun. So I dug that, but they're, they're really not into baseball <laughs> over there in Ireland, I'm afraid. So that leads me to my question, which, by the way, the Gaelic football, all the counties I've read about that, that does sound yeah. pretty cool because, like, county versus county, basically every county's in on it. Um, 
how was following? I assume as a diehard yeah. Cubs fan, you tried to follow the Cubs as much as possible. How difficult was that over there in the, uh, you know, in the British Isles, I guess. Yeah. It was a challenge. What was nice about this trip is my first week there was mostly the all-star break. And I sort of missed the home run derby and the all-star game from the sense of like, if I w- was not in Europe, I would have been watching those games, right? I would have been locked into it. The timing really didn't jive with that. And with only Justin Steele in the all-star game, I didn't feel that connected to it this year, you know, versus years past. And I heard you guys talking about that too, sort of being disappointed that Dansby wasn't there and Stroman wasn't there and all that. It just sort of lost a little bit of that connection to it. Um, but the Cubs games, the night games, seven o'clock game was starting at about one in the morning. So I got to see, you know, a little bit of that. And then the day games were nighttime. And that was sort of fun. Like you're eating dinner and it's like, okay, first pitch is starting here in 20 minutes. So that was kind of cool. Were you seeing the start of the Cubs games or the end of those Cubs games? Where you're talking about the ones that were starting at one in the morning? Yeah. Just mostly the start. Yeah. Mostly the start of those. It was like you get home. Not the early mornings. Yeah, you'd get home uh, after hitting a couple of the pubs and it was like, all right, let's just sort of track this. And it started off rough, like coming out of the All-Star break, the Cubs did not play very good baseball, but it got more fun towards the end of that trip going, oh, hey, they won. They won. They beat the Cardinals. This is cool. Um, I didn't sit down and watch a full game or anything like that, but you're certainly able to to fire up the phone when you can or at least sort of check scores it's not like baseball was on any of the tvs one thing that surprised me though in a very small bar in northern ireland was uh, in the middle of the night was a kansas city chiefs documentary airing on all of the screens and i'm thinking this is so random that this is on here it was sky sports which is you know european sports channel and they must just broadcast some nfl content which makes sense right there's there's an audience there but it was just so odd to walk into a pub at 11 o'clock at night in a small village in northern ireland and it's like oh god andy Reid is on the tv what's (laughs) going on here as an avid f1 fan the uh, Mm. espn just picks up the sky sports broadcast they don't they don't televise uh f1 because it's around the world they so they just uh pick up they just uh, simulcast the uh sky sports broadcast but at the end of the broadcast a lot of times they're like especially in the uh in the fall months because f1 goes all year round basically well from you know basically from march to november <laughs> they're always like yeah tune in tomorrow for chiefs or later today because it's sunday they're like tune in tomorrow for chiefs chargers on sky sports <laughs> and i'm always like what that's so weird i mean i guess i'm watching f1 on sky sports so it's sure. not that weird they're watching you know chiefs chargers at later that night but they do carry i know that sky sports carries football the nfl just from that yeah no i believe it too and obviously the nfl is is king uh but it was nice i i when i would see baseball apparel Sometimes I'd make a comment. Sometimes I didn't. Uh, one thing that made me laugh a little bit, maybe more so in Scotland, is a fair amount of Yankees or Dodgers hats. And I would make a comment or I'd say something like, ah, Yankees, you know, or, or Judge or Rizzo or something like that. And they're looking at me like, what? What are you talking about? This is a New York hat. And I'm like, no, no, no that's a uh, – never mind. <laughs> you know, so I think people see the L.A., they see the N.Y., and right. they think, oh, this is just a New York hat. Not that surprising, right? Just like it's a, a C for Chicago hat. Everyone knows exactly. that. Or, so it's fun though. It was oh, I just fun. had one more question because uh, you're talking about you know being over there in baseball, and I know you weren't in London or in England really. But was there any remnants of what was had transpired a month before Cubs Cardinals from London up there in Scotland or Ireland? Nothing. Nobody really no. cared about it over there. I mean, I'm sure in London it probably was a bigger deal yeah. with remnants, but and I was only in Heathrow as a layover type place 
one to get to Scotland and then two coming back from Ireland to Denver, no direct flight from Denver to um, Dublin. So I had to go through London and that was uh, just nothing really on that front. There was a lot of talk while we were out there about, is it Messi coming to Miami? For yeah, MLS? he's already there. We're, yeah. in, we're, yes. in the, we're in them pink kits down for inter Miami, whatever that means. There was a fair amount of, oh, that's sort of interesting uh, on that front. But the big thing in Ireland, and I thought it was very cool, was the Gaelic football and the tournament. And just seeing that one thing that we sort of joked about was we're seeing these matches on TV. There's 83,000 people at this match, right, in this Gaelic football stadium. And we're asking, so are these athletes paid? And they kind of follow the college model with those guys where they're yeah. amateurs. And it's like, so who's getting all of this money? Uh, buy, I bought a kit for the, the team in Fermanagh, which is the county my mom is from. I bought the uh, Gaelic jersey top for that. Wasn't cheap. Just like getting a major league jersey here. Does it say O'Shea 99 on the back? Does not say Why O'Shea not? 99. Why there's big, not? <laughs> there's a big ad on the front for a concrete pouring company. So that was kind of oh, Okay, well, that's, that's fitting. I'm surprised you, you there's no O'Shea's that you could have bought a jersey yeah. of. Uh, although it was funny getting into immigration in Ireland, you know, I got O'Shea, uh, Harriet's last name is Doyle, the immigration yeah. guy, the Irish guy's like, all right, you guys got family here. You're fine. Come on. <laughs> <Coming in."> home. <laughs> so that was cool. But I, I, I missed Cubs baseball. When I left the last show that I had with you guys before I left, I said, when I come back, I want the Cubs to be competitive. We're a week out from the trade deadline. Like this team needs to be buying and not selling. They're riding a five-game winning streak. They've got a four-game set in St. Louis this weekend, a team they just took four of or three or four from. This is a good spot for the Cubs right now, all things considered. A win tomorrow to back to 500. I'm just uh, so happy with where this team is at right now that it's got me thinking this team should really be thinking about buying, right? I agree with you. I mean, look, Randall and I tried to hold down the fort as best as we could while you were gone. And I think we did a pretty okay job. Uh, but if you're, when we were coming, we, we did that uh, podcast last week and we were talking about basically you can't have losing streaks now. You can't have losing streaks. That's over uh, for this time period, at least these next two weeks or so. No more losing streaks. If you get a loss, you got to turn the team, you got to win the next two. And that's yeah. what the Cubs have done pretty much. They have not lost back-to-back games since the All-Star break. They've won three series in a row now. And a month ago, we were talking about on the podcast right before London, Tom Ricketts came out and he said, obviously now we're buyers right now, right? Well, look where the Cubs were when he said that. They were two games under 500. They were three and a half back from the division, which was basically the closest they were to a playoff spot. Today, the Cubs are one game under 500. And depending on what's happening in San Francisco, I don't know. At a minimum, they're going to be four and a half back of a wild card spot, possibly four back of the wild card spot. So possibly four and a half, four of a playoff spot. So they're basically in the same position. They're a game better record wise. They're a game farther back, maybe uh, from a playoff spot, but they're basically in the same position. And so I think if we said they were buyers then, and I don't have faith in these Brewers or Reds to. Well, I mean, Reds are playing not great baseball right now. Uh, I, I'm on this buy board. I mean, the Cubs right now are telling you they want to buy by their performance. So I don't see why they should not be buying. You absolutely need to be buying. You can't look at this team and say, no, the answer is to take pieces away from this team, add to this team, add on the margins if that's all you want to do. If, you know, Jed's not going to give up real key pieces to upgrade this team unless a deal falls into his lap and that's fine, but you can upgrade on the margins. There are guys out there who can have an impact on this team and should not cost a whole lot. You absolutely need to be buying. I don't think there can be any question. 
Well, the winning streak the Cubs have right now, five games, matches the longest winning streak they've had this year. Uh, they're within six games of the division lead. They're within five games of a wild card spot. So that's also something to think about. Um, just looking at the standings, too, the Cubs right now are the only team in the National League Central with a positive run differential. And it's significant. It's 48 runs right now. The first place team, Milwaukee, minus three, Cincinnati, minus six. And it gets worse there for St. Louis and Pittsburgh, who's plummeted into the last place. So it feels like, yes, the schedule's a little bit lighter right now, but they are playing good baseball. There are some positive signs. I mean, watching Advert here in the last week, it's like, holy hell, what's gotten into this guy? I'm getting like Carlos Marvel vibes a little bit with some of these pitches that he's throwing here. Just so nice to see a guy that can be dominant at times at the back end of the games that it's like, all right, add a couple of pieces here and win this crappy division. You know, not Carlos Marmol-like and how his innings go fortunately. Uh, but he came into this game last night, game one of the Sox series, as we record after game two of the Sox series. So, you know, a little bit of a mess, not a huge mess yet. You got the you, the tying run in the on-deck circle and you come in there, three straight strikeouts, great slider under the hands of the batter for the first one. And we all saw it, 96 miles an hour with insane movement back to the corner for the, the last two strikeouts. That was maybe the most aesthetically pleasing inning we've seen from a, a key reliever in a long time. And I have a huge propensity for jinxing certain players. I don't want to jinx Adbert. So I'm just going to say he's been a joy to watch. It's great watching a good closer and it's great watching a good closer who kind of came out of nowhere. And it's been a whole lot of fun watching Adbert do that. If I can say all that without jinxing him, yeah. I hope so. Well, I, I agree with you, man. I hope you don't jinx him there. Uh, but not just Adbert, who I agree with you was phenomenal last night and tonight. He got he got the job done. Uh, but let's get let's give props to the entire bullpen tonight. Let's give yeah. props to the bullpen yeah. who on a very hot muggy day we're talking about Marcus Stroman. Unfortunately, maybe didn't pitch the greatest. They went down seven two. What did the bullpen do? The bullpen held them to seven runs. Uh, you know, you look at Javier Assad came in, basically pitched pretty well. Julian Merriweather, I thought, was absolutely nasty tonight. I thought Julian Merriweather maybe was looking. He didn't quite have that 102-mile-per-hour fastball tonight, but maybe was looking the best he's ever looked. His breaking stuff looked phenomenal. He pitched two innings, and he was lights out. Then you get Mark Leiter Jr. coming in, and now, to be honest, Pedro Grafal helped out a little bit because I don't understand what Pedro Grafal is doing over there on the south side. Uh, when you have Mark Leiter Jr., who has a 479 OPS against against left-handed batting, uh, batting and against right-handed batting is in the 800s, but 479 against left-handed batting, and Pedro Grafal pinch hit a left-handed batter to face him, uh, where Leiter got to face three straight lefties. Yeah, but I thought Leiter pitched very well. And then as Randall's saying, Adbert comes in, shuts down the ninth. I mean... Look at what that bullpen did tonight, having to come in in basically the fifth inning and, and shutting the door, not allowing it, allowing the Cubs to make that incredible comeback. Uh, I, I was very impressed specifically by tonight by the bullpen. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you want sort of that pick-me-up if your star starter, Marcus Stroman, is off. And he was off, he got hit hard, and the team sort of rallied around him. Something else the last two days that's been impressive to me, and, and God, the White Sox – are a total disaster. And that trade, I mean, it's been over. It's been over for a while, right? But that trade with Giolito going out west, I mean, now they're selling off the parts and it's probably a 90, maybe a 95 loss team at this point for the White Sox this year when it's all said and done. But what I liked about the Cubs games the last two days is the fight, the not rolling over and dying. And on the offensive side, you got contributions from a lot of guys in a lot of different ways. 
over the last two days. I mean, we saw great hitting in the first game with Dansby and Nico. They're stealing bases. Today, Ian half with a couple of hits, another multi-hit day from Nico. You got a guy like Seiya Suzuki. He didn't have any hits today, but he had three walks, scores a run, steals the base, had that incredible catch yesterday in right field. So you're getting contributions from just about everybody in the lineup. One day, if a guy has a bad day, he picks it up the next day. That's the sign of a team that's healthy and is contributing the ways you want to see from them. And you know what? It is extra satisfying to see them do that against the White Sox. Not only sort of just put the dagger in the White Sox, you know? Not only is it extra satisfying to see them do that the White Sox, they also did it against the Cardinals. Like, yes. they came back in that game on Sunday, basically a similar game to today, came back 1-8-6. They did it all week against the Cardinals. You got all the production up and down the lineup. They did it against the National. Basically, since that fifth inning, when I was super pissed calling this a dog shit, uh, the, the Cubs went off, scored 17 runs. That whole yeah. lineup has been producing like crazy. And uh, it's been impressive, yeah, because Cody Bellinger's been going off, but everybody's been chipping in some way. Yeah. Yesterday, Dansby Swanson had two homers, didn't quite have it today, but everybody's been chipping in. You know, we have the Jason Hayward speech. I guess now we've got the uh, the Jeremy Specter speech. Well, you read my text, full text on the pod. <laughs> I did. I, I did. I wanted. To, I wanted to paint a picture. Uh, you said fight on the field. Apparently, a fight uh, off the field too. Sounds like it was a pretty typical Cubs White Sox crowd down there at the G rate this evening. Well, I was actually thinking about that. Going, I mean, it's not frequently that I applaud White Sox fans, but at least White Sox fans are showing a little bit more passion than the yeah. heap of crap that's been on the field there. I just unbelievable how this team and this, I mean, this was a year the White Sox should have been competing for a world series championship or at least a pennant, right? For them to be 41 and 62 and now trading away pieces, just an absolute embarrassment from that ownership group um, as it is on the West side of Chicago as well with the same ownership group. Yes. And let me just say, as a magnanimous person, I don't know about Randall, but as a magnanimous person here, to any White Sox fans, because you all did it to us the past three years about, oh, you're in your window contention and whatever, and you know the Cubs trade away all their players. To any White Sox fans, you've seen your ownership group. You've seen this team, this management, whatever. They don't give a damn, okay? They're terrible. It's unfortunate, but they're terrible. You want to come over? You want to join this Cubs bus? And we got our issues. We got our problems. We'll be the first Mm -hmm. to tell you. But he got beautiful Wrigley Field. You got this ball club that, you know, we're putting some fight out there. We got, you know, competitive teams over the past 15 years, pretty much, as opposed to the White Sox. You want to come and sit right next to me at Wrigley Field and cheer on for the Chicago Cubs? I'm welcoming all the White Sox fans. And I, I, you want to still wait for the White Sox? That's fine. That's your business. But anybody wants to come over, come back to the White Sox fan, be a White Sox fan, or excuse me, be a Cub fan. I'm welcoming them all. Come on over. Join us. Join this march as we continue on, hopefully for the Cubs to make the postseason. Well, Jeremy, I'm glad you have enough magnanimity for the entire podcast. I appreciate that. You brought enough for the whole class. Come on. Something I've been thinking about with the White Sox. I saw a clip the other day of Frank Thomas hitting his 400th career home run, which was in the 2003 season. Not a, a, honestly, a typical 2000s White Sox team where they won like mid 80s games. They finished second in the division, didn't make the postseason, and it was good enough for their ownership group. And that was a monster year also for Frank Thomas in 2003. But I saw the ballpark and Hawk was on the call and the, the, the bleachers were packed in the outfield and the crowd was going wild. And I thought just 
what a sad state of affairs it has been on the South side, really for the last like 15 years or so at this point, they had that little window there right around COVID time though, where the parks weren't really full. But other than that, it's a sad state of affairs on the South side. And it really speaks volumes about the incompetence and sort of a passiveness too, that that ownership group has when it comes to trying to win baseball games. Tonight or last night was the first sellout of the year on the South side on eighth grade. That, unfortunately to me, is kind of like not even opening day is a sellout anymore. Big games. They have games against the Yankees. They have games against division rivals, the Twins. The only time they can sell out right now is a game against the Cubs, which from what I saw, there's a significant amount of Cub blue in that ballpark uh, these past two nights. And so for another team to come down there in your ballpark, basically – like, I'm not going to say, I mean, I can say the Cubs kind of embarrassed them these two days. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. want to jinx anything, but they kind of embarrassed them in their own ballpark. I can't imagine. I know Jerry Reinsdorf is. I can't imagine he's happy with that because I think he hates the Cubs more than anybody, uh, any other team. And they came in there and they embarrassed the White Sox. I, I, I mean, look what happened today. I mean, once the Cubs took the, like the leader, even got in a rally, it looked like, the White Sox pretty much is shut down. They didn't even have like competitive at bats for that the rest of the game. I mean, Cubs bullpen was great. I noted it, but like that team just just basically quit. Yeah, well, and that's Ryan, been Ryan sort Surf, of the. Go ahead. Ryan Surf knows he can hurt us through the Bulls. That's why he he runs them <laughs> so poorly. It's his only revenge against Cubs fans. It's a, a sad state of affairs on the West Side. I'm I am sort of surprised though that Chicago media, which is notoriously sort of. What's the prickly. word I'm looking for here? Prickly. Yeah, I, I would use a more offensive word, but we'll go with that. Prickly. I, I'm surprised there's not more aggression turned on Jerry, uh, obviously for the White Sox, but even more so probably with the Bulls, because you take away the 90s and it's complicated, right? Like, yes, the Bulls won six world championships in the 90s, but there's a lot to it. Yeah. You could very much so make the case they should have won more and that they messed that whole thing up with MJ, but how bad the bulls have been as a franchise since the end of the Jordan era. And they don't bring in big time free agents. It's the United center. The bulls dominate attendance across the NBA. I'm just surprised there's not more aggressiveness from the Chicago media on Jerry. I think Mm -hmm. the Chicago media is much harder on Tom Ricketts and good. They should be. I want, I want everybody to be hard on Tom Ricketts until this team is winning division championships every single year. But it's just, it's, it's always sort of been odd to me that it's like, Oh, well, you know, that's just sort of how it is. He is a, he epitomizes everything that is wrong with sports owners and he's screwing not one, but two franchises in a city that loves their sports. I don't know why they get the pass on it. And it feels like our media gives a big pass to Jerry in Chicago. I would also point out that he did not acquire. I mean, he did acquire yes. Michael Jordan by buying the team that Michael Jordan already had was already on. So like Michael Jordan was there before Jerry Reinsdorf. So much of Michael Jordan or excuse me, Jerry Reinsdorf's greatness is attributed to a man that he basically lucked into already having. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. And obviously I, I, I don't understand why he doesn't get more I, um, uh, pressure from the beat writers. It seems like it seems like a lot of the beat writers in the city kind of take a passive approach, especially to the Bulls. Like, I don't feel like, yeah, not to throw any people out. What was it, Casey Jones, the beat writer? For, I don't feel like he ever put any pressure on the on the Bulls. But, you know, this is a Cubs podcast, so I do feel yes. like we should focus a little bit more on the Cubs. And let me just point out a guy who we've all known uh, this past month has been raking, 
absolutely raking. That's Cody Bellinger. I just want to he has he has been raking. And we and Ronan was a guy who this offseason said, I want Cody Bellinger. And and we were all on board with that. But Ronan had the idea probably first and came up then. And, and, and I think it's been fantastic. And I think no matter what happens this next week, I think the Cubs need to hold on to Cody Bellinger. I think uh, Stroman, like he's been struggling a little bit. I can kind of understand the trading of Stroman. You're not going to be able to quali- give him the qualifying offer um, after this year, no matter what. But Cody, like you got, I, I realize it's a Boris guy, but you got two more months to negotiate with him. It's hard for me to like let this guy go. He's been so good. Even tonight, he struggled a little bit, and then he just crushes a 3 0 pitch to right field, just crushes it out of the ballpark. Um, I, I just think you got to keep him around. You got to, there's value in keeping him around, keeping him in the organization, keeping him in the team. Worst comes to worst, you can give him the qualifying offer at the end of the year. We saw it with Wilson Contreras last year. They kept him around. They got Jackson Wiggins in the second round. Um, we'll see. I, I just think no matter what, even if you end up having to sell, I think you you keep a guy like Cody Bellinger around. You you absolutely cannot trade him. You cannot trade him. And I will say I have come around more on potentially keeping him around after this season. If you can work something out, we know what the representation is like. I've come around on that more. He seems to love it here. He's productive. He can do great things for you at a lot of different positions. I've come around more on that. You, but you absolutely cannot trade him. Keep him, and if you lose him in the offseason, you at least get the quality. You at least get the compensatory pick. I don't think what you're going to get back for him is going to outweigh that potential compensatory pick. I'm all in on keeping him this season, and I've come around more on keeping him past this season if you can work something out for both sides. You know, something I was talking with Connor about in Ireland, because we had a lot of time uh, in these pubs talking Cubs baseball, and we talked about Bellinger quite a bit. And, you know, one of the things that kept coming up is, obviously it's great that he can play first base, which has been just a black hole for the team since Rizzo's left. So you got a little bit of help there. He's obviously a very good defensive center fielder. But you also got Pete Crow Armstrong, who is tearing it up in the minor leagues, right? He looks to be like a, uh, an elite defensive player. He's hitting well. There's a lot of good stuff there. Well, right field has been a bit weak for the Cubs, right? Saya has not performed, I think, to the way that any of us would have wanted. He's a one-war player right now on fan graphs. Maybe I'm thinking a little bit about what if Cody Bellinger's playing some right field? you got Pete Crow Armstrong in center, and I'm not talking next year. I'm talking later this year. If the Cubs are serious about moving forward and trying to win this division – I think you seriously consider it that way. So I'm with you guys in that it doesn't really make sense right now to trade Cody, but I wonder if maybe in the next couple of weeks we see a little bit of PCA in center and Cody in right, and then in left field you got Ian, maybe say I can play a little bit of left or do some DH work in there, but he's not hitting in the way the Cubs need production from right field. And if you think PCA can adjust here to the big leagues, well, now you've got a really interesting-looking outfield. I said all off season, I said all spring, there's a small but non-zero chance that if you're competitive and if you find you have a need in center field and PCA is performing, double A is a phone call away from the majors. And again, I don't think we're there yet, but I think that small but non-zero chance is getting more and more potentially non-zero, maybe, maybe incrementally by the day. But yeah, the fact that Cody Ballinger can give you great work at three positions. And if you needed him to, he could play left field just fine. I I think between his versatility, I think between the fact that he's producing and between the fact that he seems to love it here, I think definitely don't trade him. You need to find a way potentially to keep him around after this season. You need to at least try. Again, Boris is going to make it difficult, and that's fine. His goal was always sign here for one year, rebuild the value. If you can work it out, I think you need to. 
Yeah, I, I see. For, I, I agree with you on 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 guys on that. Um, for me, I I always think those are like good problems to have, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, which is part of the reason why I didn't have a problem bringing Cody Bellinger back, even if you know we have PCA, because those things work themselves out, right? I mean, if you have too many good players, that's a good thing, right? Um, I, I so whether or not PCA is ready this season, I don't know. I I'm a little skeptical of that. I don't necessarily think that, you know, he's still got some issues to, uh, in double a, you know, with some strikeout rate and whatever. Uh, I, I think his defense probably is major league quality right now. Um, um, I'm still a believer in Seiya. I, I know he's been up and down kind of sometimes he goes streaky, but he hits balls hard. I mean, his defense, we criticized it, but it's been playing better lately. I mean, he had that fantastic catch last yesterday. Um, so yeah, but like, as I just said, too many good players is a good thing. That's a good, it's a good problem to have. You want to be in a position like look at the Tampa Bay Rays every year. It seems like they have to trade players at like the rule five deadline or whatever. Cause they don't have enough 40 man spots, right? They're always like giving away good players because they don't have room for them all. Um, that's a good problem to have. And so I think that's a problem. That's a, that's a problem I want to, I want to have as a Cubs fan. And so I think Cody Bellinger, you, you, you talk about him being around for two more, two more months, him being every day, like being used to being a cup. Like once you trade Cody Bellinger, he's not a cup anymore. He's playing another organization. Now it's like, it's like what Lester said. Once the Red Sox trade him to the ace, he could see himself somewhere else. Um, if he's comfortable, if he's in a good spot, why wouldn't he want, I mean, yeah, he's going to want to get paid. He's probably going to go to the most money. But if the Cubs offer him a ton of money, like why wouldn't you want to be in a situation where you're comfortable? I think that's mm-hmm. reasonable. As If you're getting paid, like, you know, I, I don't think he's going to take a hometown discount to play for the Cubs. But if he's getting paid, why wouldn't you want to be in a spot you're already comfortable? I think that that's reasonable. And I think it's easier when you're still a Cub. So you, you get that compensatory pick. Randall says he's not sure if the trade uh, get back. I'm not sure either. But if it is, it's probably not a ton more than that pick. Like you're, you're, it's not going to be like something that's like, Oh my God, that was so much more. I mean, maybe it is, maybe if it is, if you get blown out of the water with some offer, I can understand maybe moving him if you're out of it, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it makes sense to keep him around and he's just fun and there's value. Like I see a lot of people just talk about, well, if you're out of it, it doesn't make sense to keep playing and you should just trade everybody, but there's value in like putting together or trying to win. There's value in having fans coming to the ballpark and seeing players that they like and turning the TV on and everybody like, and trying to put together a winning team and showing like potential free agents, showing people around the league, like, Hey, we're trying to go for it. There's value in that. And so I don't, I think if you're in this kind of nebulous area, Unless you're way out, like ten back, you know, coming up, I I think you're you should not be selling a ton. Yeah, Jeremy, you use that word nebulous. That's a good word. Not every player is Jason Hamill willing to come back to Chicago after being traded away. And you know, you started getting into there's value in doing things that you don't see in a transaction log, and there there definitely is. But of course, that's where you get into nuance, and there is nothing that sports fans hate more in discussion than nuance. But I agree with you, and I agree with what you're saying. There is value to potential free agents who you have interest in, in showing them, hey, maybe we're not where we want to be, but we're not going to sell off this guy who signed here because we think there's value in keeping him around, even if it doesn't necessarily result in a playoff spot. So I, I agree completely. There's value that's hard to quantify, but it is value nonetheless. And I think the Cubs need to, I'm sure they do, but I think the Cubs need to recognize that and tap into that in, you know, weighing whether to trade Bellinger or not. And I hope they don't. Well, we're of the mindset here being one under and a chance to be over 500 uh, coming home for the start of August. 
is this team is going to be buying. We have talked on this show that the corner infield has been a black hole all year for the team. Uh, you can never have enough starting pitching. Who is a realistic piece out there that the Cubs can target at this trade deadline that makes this team better? Jamer Candelario, former Cub prospect, briefly former Major League Cub. He went to uh, Detroit in the trade that brought Avila and Wilson. Uh, play third base for you. Again, he's not necessarily top of the line, but the weighted runs created plus, I believe, would be a market improvement over what the Cubs have been putting out there at third base. Uh, I don't believe he would cost a whole lot in trade. I, I think that's a very realistic target. You acquire him, you plug him in every day at third base, and I think you immediately have, again, solidified your team without giving up a whole lot. So that's my name is Jamer Candelario. Yeah, I agree with uh uh, Randall there, the uh, candy man, as I'll call him, former That's Cub, right. as you said, former 2016 Cub. And uh, That's what I, I, showed a, was. I showed a list the other day. And if you had a question, a good trivia question is you're asked what former 2016 Cub or person who appeared for the 2016 Cub has the highest war in 2023. <laughs> the answer is Jamer Candelario. And he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. I don't. He probably will cost a little bit because he's having a great year and there might be some demand for him, but he's a free agent at the end of the year. He's a rental. So I can't imagine him costing a ton. He's not going to like break the bank. Um, So yeah, I agree with you there, Randall. I think he fits perfectly because we've seen this third base kind of, you know, Madrigal's on his way back. Master Boney's playing there now. We got Wisdom. Wisdom has some power. He's got some okay, you know, things, but he has a lot of drawbacks. You know, we, we see with the strikeouts. I think you could kind of settle down that third base. And we're seeing like on days that, you know, we're seeing days with right hands, Talkman playing center field and Bellinger playing first. Now, I think you can kind of get those corner positions. So I agree with you. I think, I think, uh, you know, Jamer Candelario is a perfect, a perfect name for the Cubs. Any realistic moves they can make at first base or is it internal maybe to Matt put Mervis. a little bit of life there? Trade yeah. for Matt Mervis, trade somebody <laughs> to Iowa in exchange for Matt Mervis. I think that's a transaction they can pull off. Uh, I, I think maybe, you know, I agree. I, I, I do see, you know, Matt Mervis as being a guy, but here's part of the problem with Mervis is like the Cubs are so left-handed in terms of that, and that like you're going to be seeing a lot of Trey Mancini, I feel like, if you're calling up Matt Mervis to face left-handed pitching. Um, I, I got a name for you, Ronan, and I think – Maybe we'll see it, but it's from your neck of the woods and he's not having the oh. best season, but maybe yeah, he might not be too expensive. Maybe you do it like a CJ Cron, you know, the crone zone. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He has some power. He's not having the best season, but you know, he, he he's got kind of a, a hundred OPS plus right now because he's not getting on base, but the power's there. He's got 11 home runs and we talk about the Cubs needing power. Maybe that's kind of an interesting name you could put in there to get a right-handed, you know, first base option. Like I, I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be, he's going to solidify first base and stabilize it. But like, if you already got Trey Mancini on the bench, like <laughs> you can make an effort for a CJ Cron. I, I think, I think I I don't see too many first baseman options out there right now, and I'm, I'm he's a guy that I think I would be kind of interested as being a free agent at the yeah. end of the year. Or we we mentioned it. You mentioned an internal move. Maybe your first baseman is your center fielder. Bellinger becomes your everyday first baseman, and you bring up a pretty decent center fielder from the minor leagues to plug that everyday center field hole. And you can still mix and match a little bit, depending on how he plays out, depending on your needs in the lineup. So, you know, you talk about an internal move for first base, you might just have to move him in from, from center field. You know, C Connor was saying some things there about, uh, 
like a Michael Harris comp with regards mm-hmm. to PCA. Like, hey, bring him in, throw him in the lineup, and let it rip at this point. And that, of course, would make Bellinger eligible for first base. Uh, speaking of Crone, CJ Crone, seen a lot of him the last couple of years here in Denver. And you're right, Jeremy. The one thing about him is when he hits a home run, yeah. it is a home run. Right, it's out of every single ballpark and more. Uh, the guy had the longest home run actually in all of Major League Baseball last season. A moonshot out of Coors Field, beyond the left field fence into the players' parking lot. There, uh, that's that's a unique name to throw into the mix there. Uh, but I do feel like the corner infielders. Just looking at this roster right now, the corner infielders to me are the glaring needs that this needs to be addressed. And I think you've dropped a couple of names here that are realistic. You know, you're not you're not giving up the farm to get either the Candyman or a guy like CJ Crone, but both of those guys probably make this roster better today. Yeah, I agree with you. And both are, as we said, they're uh, impending free agents, so they're they're rentals. Um, I I I, I think they're intrigued. Like like we said, we got Trey Mancini sitting there. I I don't think CJ Crone is gonna or Crone's gonna do much better or excuse me, much worse than him so you could give him that option and uh yeah if you believe in pca like if you think pca mm-hmm. can hit major league pitching at, at a certain at a somewhat rate like if he could give you like kind of a kevin kiermeyer kind of aspect let's say because he's supposedly he's gonna be a great defender so if he could like he doesn't have to be an elite hitter to be good with at, uh, a good baseball player yeah it, it that would help a lot because we've seen what cody bellinger's done against left-handed pitching so if you can get because Talkman, you're probably going to sit against left-hand pitching, and that may put Bellinger in center, and then you have to go, well, who's going to play first, Mancini? So if PCA can come up and solidify center field against like uh, uh, lefties, that would be a nice uh, option to have if that is possible. And don't forget, PCA is also a very fast runner, and he's also a fantastic base runner, and that makes kind of the break-even point for his offense, I think, a little easier to obtain, even if he's not hitting much. If he's wreaking havoc like uh, one former Javier Baez used to on the base pass every time he does reach, it kind of makes that break-even point easier to reach. So again, it's a very complicated decision. You're developing a young player, and I know it's not something they take lightly, but I have to imagine it's something they're at least pondering. I think, too, maybe this is my meatball comment of the show here. I just think a guy like that, too, could inject something into the clubhouse and into the team that you you don't get from a veteran player. You don't, I mean, that guy getting to Wrigley Field is going to be an electric moment. And you can just envision him jumping up into the ivy, making an incredible catch, and that just sort of bringing a little bit more fire to this team for the for the stretch run the final two months. We got to say it, Ronan. We got to say it. We got to put on our ESPN baseball tonight. We know nothing, but we're going to talk about it anyway, Hats. He's going to give this team a spark. Is what he's going to do. That's the proper terminology. He's a sparker. Well, what about pitching? Do do you see the Cubs targeting pitching? And who's a realistic guy that they can go to make this staff or bullpen better? I I I would like them to target pitching. Like I would like you know, we're seeing kind of now. uh, We don't know what's going on with Drew Smiley. Like this is two weeks in a row. It seems like they're going to try to use an opener on that day. And he struggled a little bit. We're seeing Marcus Stroman struggle a little bit. Now I still have faith in, in Marcus Stroman, but like the last couple of weeks, he's pitched. It hasn't been great. You can always improve your bullpen like that. I, I give blueprint props a lot tonight, but I think 30 teams in the league want to improve their bullpen. I don't think anybody so says like our bullpen's legit and set, like whatever. Everybody's looking for bullpen arms. So yeah, I, I do see the Cubs. I would like to see them if they're going to make a move, uh, do try to solidify 
they're pitching. I I thought, you know, he got moved today, but I was like, hey, go after Lucas Giolito. Like that would be a nice arm to put in in you know, but you know, I, I think both teams right now are not too intrigued after the way some of these trades have worked out and <laughs> doing the White Sox Cubs trade. But you know, here's a name I'm just looking at who's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, maybe a guy who's another former Cub and a former Cub from a long time ago. How about Rich Hill? Rich Hill. Well, <laughs> another lefty who pitched a long time. Rich Hill coming back to Chicago. He's a free agent at the end of the year. The Pirates oh, are completely out of it. You yeah, know, I have to, to think, trade in division. Have to think you can do better. Want something, but like that would be an interesting name to come back and. You know, I I wonder if pitching is somewhere where they would be inclined more inclined to go internal. I know the results for Ben Brown have been mixed at Iowa, but he is on the 40 man. He's pitching at the highest level of the minors. I'm wondering if they potentially try and plug him in to maybe Smiley's vacated roster, or you have him maybe piggyback with Smiley or piggyback with Nuesneski, some way to get him into a key spot in the major league pitching staff. Uh, I don't know if they do that with Jordan Wicks, but he's at Iowa too. And again, the whole point of having, High-level pitching prospects is that you feel that they can come up and they can do polished work for you in when you need them to. So I'm wondering if pitching-wise, just because it's so hard to put a price on pitching, you know, it seems like the White Sox got two pretty decent prospects back for Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. It's so hard to price pitching in the trade market. I'm wondering if you are better served using what little currency you are going to spend on a position player and then promoting internally for the pitching. So I'm wondering if they go that route. Yeah, I, 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 I would be very surprised if Ben Brown is up in, because he's had a lot of struggles with like he's had a lot of mixed, games, lot of mixed results, and he's had some terrible games down in Iowa, and he's had some struggle with the walks, and I just, I just can't put a picture of a guy who's averaging six walks per nine in the majors right now when you're trying to make a run for it. But like Wesneski has been down there and he's been pitching well. So I do think Wesneski is a guy that maybe, maybe you could see come back and try to solidify what he was earlier. So I, I do agree with Hayden. I, I think he could be an internal option, both in the pen and, you know, uh, in, in the starter rotation. Well, I I'm eager to see how aggressive the Cubs are here. I'm, you're thinking about this angels trade here. I guess that's the, final dagger that Otani's not going anywhere, right? right. Because that was the big and question is what's going to happen with Otani? Well, the angels apparently are buying now bringing in a guy like Giolito. So Otani staying in Southern California, at least till the end of this year. To whatever extent it needed to be confirmed, apparently a source confirmed to Tom Verducci, my voice dripping with sarcasm, that the Angels will not be trading Shohei Otani. Apparently it was quote unquote confirmed, and I'm doing air quotes very hard here uh, earlier today. I never thought he was going anywhere, if only because, again, I don't think you were ever going to be able to get the Angels and another team to agree on the price for a half season of the greatest athlete on the planet. But again, I never thought he was going anywhere. Apparently that's official now. And yeah, the angels are, the angels are buying. They're trying to build around Otani. And you know what? That's fine. Not having Otani as a, a huge albatross on hanging over the trade market. I think that probably provides some much needed clarity because teams can pivot. And you know, the more teams who make their decision, the easier it is for the, for you to get what you want. And they're good. Good. Keep Otani, get your qualifying pick and try and build something around the final two months you're going to enjoy the, the greatest player in the sport. So I, I think it's a good decision to the extent that it was ever really in question. Yeah, I, I, I was just thinking, you know, and I'm, then I look at the date and it's July 26 already. So if you're acquiring Lucas Giolito as a, as a pitcher, like you're, you're trying to get starts out of him, right? And you're not going to really get starts out of him when it's already August 20. Like you can't flip him at the deadline is what I'm trying to say. Because an idea I had earlier about the Cubs was, you know, let's make a move early in the offseason 
uh, excuse me, in this trade season, like coming out of the jump the market, market. That, jump the market, try to make a run. If you don't make a run, it gets to the de- deadline. You could flip, you could flip a player, right? You could flip a guy like Giolito. You could probably f- trade him away if because we've seen teams do similar things in the past. The Minnesota Twins did that a couple years ago with a former club, Jaime Garcia. They acquired him from the Atlanta Braves. They struggled a little bit going to the deadline. I think they acquired him like July 15th. Then they flipped him at the deadline uh, to then they trade with the Yankees. And then the funny thing is they end Minnesota Twins ended up playing the Yankees in the wild card game. After they were struggling in July, they went on a run after they traded him and they ended up playing in the wild card game. But like that was like an idea. I thought maybe the Cubs could do something like that. But when you're looking at July 26th, talking about Lucas Gilio, they ain't flipping him because they're getting him to start games. Yeah. They ain't yeah. get they didn't trade for him to get possibly one start out of him before they flip him. So yeah, I do think this means that Otani's staying there and the Angels are making a run for it. You know what? Good for the Angels. Yeah. They have should be. They've had I like one winning season since 2018 or something, I think. They haven't made the playoffs since 2014. Mike Trout's made the playoffs one time in his career. If you can't make the playoffs with Mike Trout and Shohei Itani, I know it's baseball and there's a lot, of, but come on, man, go for it. This is this it. is the correct decision, in my opinion. Go for it. I don't care if Otani walks in the offseason. Nope, not my you're problem. Like, you're like, I we didn't get anything back for the greatest player, whatever. You know, tried to try win. to win. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Try to win with the greatest player. Try to put your fans in the seats and do something with the greatest player. And that I, I give them, I try to bring them back too. like if I'm already Moreno. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of the angels. I'm happy for them. And I'm hope we sitting there next week. And I say, I'm proud of you, Jed Hoyer. I'm proud of you for making moves to put butts in the seat and to try to go out. You just dropped this $20 a month streaming thing. Make people buy it. Okay. And That's the only right. way you're going to make people reason. buy it. Is exactly give them a reason is if you are making moves to try to put a competitive team out there. Jeremy is proud that Dick Mountain is pitching at Wrigley Field next yes. week. Yes, I saw him pitch like maybe his first or second ever in like 2006, I think. Uh, uh, maybe it was 05. Uh, I'll be happy if Dick Mountain with his 482 ERA is back <laughs> out there. I, I always was a fan of Dick Mountain. Well, who, who, uh, isn't, who isn't a fan of the Dick Mountain, of course. One other transactional note here, uh, all 20 Cubs draft picks have signed. And the last one to do so, the 68th overall pick, Jackson Wiggins, uh, right before the deadline, he that's gets right, it locked a up. And, yeah, so all 20 get locked in. I'd say that uh, that's got to be a satisfying feeling when you, you come up with an idea of what you want to do on draft day. There's so many variables that go into what happens with the guys that you select. All 20 locked up for the Cubs this year. And Jeremy, you were all over that. You said you're not going to take a swing on a guy like that unless you really think he's going to sign. And sure enough, just a few hours before the deadline, uh, Mr. Jim Callis giving us the good news. And again, that's a that's a really intriguing pick. He's a guy who throws mid to upper 90s. Of course, he's coming off Tommy John surgery uh, in January, I believe. Jeremy, is that correct? Yeah. Yes. So it's going to be it's going to be well into next season before we get any you know good news good reports about him but still that's a big swing to take with your compensatory pick and uh, yeah good for the cubs for going in there with a plan and you know zeroing in there's some really interesting kind of downdraft players some guys out of high school and yeah it's good to see that they were able to go in there and sign all those draft picks get them into the system and get to work yeah, we talked about a little bit about last week, and I, I'm kind of surprised about it, to be honest, uh, the fact that they signed all 20. I thought there were players towards the bottom of the, uh, the draft when they drafted them that were probably going back to school. I mentioned uh, Drew Bowser, you know, Randall's uh, enemy. <laughs> Bowser, My nemesis, that's right. His nemesis. Uh, I thought he's the guy who's going to go back to school in Stanford and, and try to play for another year. But, yeah, uh, I was actually starting to get concerned a little bit in the sense of not that the Cubs didn't have a plan to sign him, but maybe they drafted him 
thought they had a plan to sign him, took a look at his medicals after seeing his real medicals after his, uh, you know, Tommy John surgery. And we're like, oh, maybe we don't want, you know, to pay you this amount of money. We're trying to make it lower. And then the guy like that's like, cause that's what happened to Brady Aiken a few years ago uh, with the Astros, why he didn't sign with the, uh, the Astros, when they drafted him, number one, they drafted him, number one, made him an offer, looked at his medicals and like, oh, no, we actually think you're worth less because your medicals are so bad, which ended up screwing their later draft picks because they didn't have all that bonus pool because you lose that bonus pool if you don't sign the guy. So I thought maybe something like that was happening with the Cubs because it went down to the wire because I was surprised. I'm like, you don't draft a guy that high, not know what his number is like. You're not going to waste a second round pick and not know what his number is. But yeah, it went down to the wire and they ended up getting him done. And as we mentioned, that's the pick they got for uh, Wilson Contreras. They they held on to Wilson Contreras. He was the qualifying offer. They get the compensatory pick. You know, the rumor was Jose Urquidy was the trade. And, you know, the, for whatever reason, it got shot down by Houston. And now we have Jackson Wiggins. And so you don't have to trade a guy. You can get compensation back for the I mean, you can't for Marcus Stroman, but for Cody Bellinger, you can't get compensation back. And you have to weigh that compensation against what the trade return is and what the value is of having him for the next Cody Bellinger for the next two months. So, yeah, we got Jackson Wiggins now. We we lost Wilson Contreras to the dark side, but uh, uh, Jackson Wiggins will hopefully make up for that. And speaking of Wilson Contreras, boy, there was a shot of him uh, in the Sunday game. He was out of the lineup and fouled a ball off himself, a hip com- discomfort, something. He's out of the lineup. He's sitting alone in the dugout. It's an 85-degree day in Chicago. The sun is out. It's a little bit humid. He's in a Cardinals red hoodie. He's wearing his sunglasses. He's pulling the hood down lower and lower. You can see him frown in the final frame of the camera shot. If I had any sympathy left for him, I would have felt bad for him. Jeremy, you mentioned you know a guy gets drafted and doesn't sign. It happened with the Mechs. The Mets and Kumar Rocker in 2021, they took him with the 10th overall pick. They didn't like the medicals and they ended up not signing him. So it can happen. And fortunately, the Cubs, you know, were aware of what they were looking at. No, no surprises. And they were able to get it done. Yeah. Other big Cubs news this week, other than, you know, beating up on the Cardinals, beating up on the White Sox. Uh, Marquee Sports Network. Marquee Sports Channel, whatever they're calling it these days, uh, with big news here and what's really sort of a rapidly evolving media landscape here, not just in Chicago, but across the country, but the direct-to-consumer option, the streaming ability to watch Marquee, if you are in market, is now ready to go. We've got the price point, and it's rolling here. $19.99 a month in market. Again, that doesn't apply to a guy like me as a Cubs fan living here in Denver, but if you're back in the Midwest... You're thinking about cutting cable, but you don't want to give up Cubs games. The Cubs now have this opportunity available, and we know it's going to be 20 bucks a month. What do we think of this? Yeah, you know, it's something that more teams are doing. The Red Sox and the Yankees have been on it. They charge more. The Red Sox and Nesson uh, charge 30 a month. The Yankees and Yes charge 25 a month. And you know what? The higher price point for them makes more sense because those are full-on RSNs. They uh, carry other teams during the baseball offseason, so it, it makes more sense for that to cost a little more, but, you know, Marquee uh, doesn't really have a whole lot worth watching besides live Cubs games. Oh, uh, Sky. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> I think the price fits. I think the price fits. Um, you know, there's a lot of cable cutters now. Fewer and fewer people actually have, uh, like, a live TV uh, subscription. So I think this is the right price point. I think it's a useful product. Um, and this comes with uh, what they say are higher quality streams. And it's worth noting that if you do have a cable subscription or a satellite subscription that carries marquee, 
access to that is included in you know what you're paying in the carriage fee so that it has benefit to those of us who do still have cable who do still live in the stone age so good for them we knew this was coming it seems like it's a reasonable price point and i am curious to see you know come october when they maybe let us know for the first time exactly how many people have signed up for this I think it's a good thing. I, I I think that anybody who wants to watch Cubs baseball now can watch it, no matter what, no matter where you live, where you are, you have the option to watch Cubs baseball. And we we've we've seen some criticisms of certain things. Yeah, like maybe ninety percent. Like it was high numbers that had opportunity to watch Cubs, but now it's hundred percent. If you want to watch Cubs baseball, you can watch it. If you're in Iowa and you're in market, but you get blacked out because your cable provider doesn't carry it, marquee, you can now subscribe to yeah. this uh, direct to consumer offer and you can watch Cubs baseball because you're in market. And if, so that is a good thing, I think. And yeah, you know, we, we could, the price points are what they are. Obviously it's going to be expensive, but you're, if you're subscribed to a cable service, you're paying for it anyways. Um, I think it's interesting now because like, I don't know what my cable, personal cable bill is. I would look it up and see, well, does it doesn't make more sense to me to subscribe to something like this, drop down to like, let's say YouTube TV, which is cheaper, maybe do internet only from Comcast. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I know Randall looked into that and he said for him, it's not worth it, but I don't know. I think every person has to make that offer now. So yeah, it is interesting. It's less that as Randall said, there are two kind of competitors, which are the, the Red Sox and the Yankees, the only two other RSNs that have that uh they are the same as as round noted the padres and the d-backs but those are carried by major league baseball those aren't rsns because so they're no- rsns because their rsn died off. died off so there's nothing else there's nothing yeah. there's no other content for you and yeah you could debate what you want about cubs content on marquee but there, mm-hmm. there's interesting shows whatever there's the cubs countdown there's some other Jer- things that you want to jeremy get the- loves the cole wright power yeah. hour yeah. the cole wright <laughs> power <laughs> hour you know you get as much <laughs> Joe Girardi and, and and Sean Marshall and Ryan Sweeney as you can. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think overall it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing when the Cubs can be direct to the people that want to watch Cubs baseball. You cut out the middle man and just anybody wants to come watch Cubs baseball. Yeah. They're obviously going to try to make money off it. I mean, that's what Tom Ricketts is going to do. That's what the Cubs are going to do, but you get the service. You get to watch Cubs game. Any person who wants to watch it. I think that's a good thing. And it, it noted, it should be noted that this is kind of made nece- necessary by the bursting of the RSN bubble. YouTube TV does not carry marquee. Hulu with live TV does not carry marquee. As far as I know, the only of these live TV streaming services that carries marquee is, I believe, Fubo yeah. TV, which I know nothing about. But which, it's kind it of, doesn't. Kind there's of, a lot of content that they don't carry on Fubo TV that you're missing. Exactly. Fubo, Fubo, whatever. Fubo TV. Fubu, Fubo, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. But that's kind of what makes this necessary. Um, but again, now it is available and people who do feel like it's a better value for them, they have that choice. And and I want to point out one thing about YouTube TV is uh, they don't carry like any RSNs at all for the most part. That's right. They dropped no. SNY on July 1st, which was one of the few RSNs they're carrying. The only RSNs they're carrying now are the NBC Sports Networks, which if you're a baseball fan is just Chicago philadelphia and the bay area area. so they're only covering four teams Uh, so that means 26 major league baseball teams are not on youtube tv which now if you want to watch youtube tv and you want to subscribe to the red sox the yankees the cubs you can do that and so i think that's a good thing yeah nesson nesson has been off youtube tv for some time now for the same reason just because again carriage fees for these rsns have gotten to be such a thorny issue that's a companion to a prickly issue ronan has gotten to be such a thorny issue that again the streaming services just wash their hands of it entirely 
I, I'm generally with you guys. I would push back a little bit. I think the price point's a little high, right? And I know it's lower than Boston. I know it's lower than New York. $20 a month for one baseball team seems hot to me. I mean, that's what I'm paying for MLB TV, and I get everybody except the Rockies at this point. Uh, the other thing uh, on that front is you're not getting the Apple games. You're not getting the, the uh, ESPN games. You're not getting, what, the Peacock games, every other streaming platform. So it's not like you're getting every game at $20 a month. Maybe that's, look, if I lived in Chicago, I would be paying $19.99 a month to get Marquee, and that's how I would be watching Cubs games. But I still cringe a little bit at, to me, that's a little higher than I think it should be for one team broadcasting a game. But that's Major League Baseball, right? That's yep. ownership. They run the numbers. They've optimized that $19.99 right now is the right price to get people on board, especially if this team's going to be adding in the next week. You okay. can see that bringing in quite a bit of money for the Cubs here. And it's not going to stay at $19.99. If the Cubs win a no. division title this year, folks, it's going to be $25.99 or $29.99 for next year. But I, I cringed a little bit at that price going, well, what do I pay for MLB TV? What do I get with MLB TV? And I haven't heard this answer. I don't know if you guys know the answer to this question. One of the things that I like about MLB TV is I can put on Pat and Ron over the video and it syncs it up right. I can't imagine marquee directed consumer is going to have the option that you can listen to Pat and Ron, right? That That is a good question. I believe I have access to their new revamped marquee app again, because I do have a cable subscription. I will look into that and I will attempt to bring knowledge to the masses. Yeah. I yeah, just I, don't think that would make a lot of sense because marquee wants their don't. broadcasters yeah. Yeah. to be I mean, on there. W, w, you know, SCR is not marquee. So, nope. you know, they would, I would think they would, they would still, even though they're all Cubs employees, I think they would, still try to keep their own branding yeah. um but yeah i i yeah i i, I do think you know 1999 is a little expensive but um like i said like if you could subscribe if you could figure out a way like you know if you're paying 72 dollars a month i think is the, the lowest uh youtube tv subscription you are getting espn you are getting fox and the locals so you get pretty much everything except the apple tv games and you add on the 1999 maybe you're paying like 100 bucks uh, for cable um just just those two things yeah, I, I mean, I or excuse me, it would be like uh, like ninety dollars for cable for those two things. Uh, but you'd be getting every Cubs game pretty much, except for the Apple TV yeah. ones. So, uh, but yeah, like I, I mean, I think, like I said, I think it's a better deal than the Padres D bags, where all you're getting is just baseball games, and you're not getting anything. I mean, he's he's gonna watch some Cubs content. You know, they got bear shit on there too nowadays. So, uh, whatever. But uh, I, hey, there's only the third RSN to come out with this, so yeah. the Cubs are at the forefront of this. Does a bear shit in the woods? Apparently there's bear shit on Marquee, so that, that answers that. Hey, hopefully there's good bear shit on Marquee this year. Well, there's a trend that I like in the NBA right now. A number of NBA teams are going to just over the air, right? Like uh, uh, old um, antenna channels, Phoenix. free for consumers to watch. At Phoenix, Utah, also uh, in the mix with that up in Salt Lake. So I would love to see more of that, but this is where we're at right now. This is far better than where things have been, and I'm happy to see that at least for now, Tom Ricketts isn't charging the most money for this channel. But mark my words, if the Cubs come back and win a oh, yeah. championship, it will be $30 a month yeah. next year I don't to think, watch this. I don't think anyone is denying that prediction. Yeah. And, but maybe this will also incentivize Marquee to increase their programming in the offseason. Because I would imagine there's a lot of folks that, okay, yeah, I'll pay during the season for this. But once we get to October 1st, see ya until the start of spring training next year. 
And I will say one thing that Marquette did kind of have, which I don't know if they're going to have this off season is they had like third tier, like ACC football and uh, basketball games that would be on there. And they, those were what those generally were, were like Fox broadcasts. They were local. Like, I don't know if anybody remembers, uh, uh old ACC ball games, but they used to be like Jefferson pilot sports or Raycom uh, would be like production kind of what used to be like ESPN plus kind of uh, would do like that production. And now it was like kind of Fox and Raycom still owned the rights to those games. And I, and they were kind of just like sending them out to different, whatever RSN wanted to pick them up and Marquee would pick them up during the off season. But now the CW just bought out those games from Raycom. So the ACC is going to be on the CW, which is a weird thing in and of itself. So I don't think Marquis is even going to have like those third tier, like mm. Boston college versus Virginia or Boston college versus Syracuse. I guess it would always seem like it would be like on marquee network it would be like Boston college versus Syracuse football, um, <laughs> like on a middle of the day on a Saturday. So like that, it doesn't seem like they're going to get those games. Jeremy, true or false here. Speaking of marquee and Joe Girardi, right. A, a guy who Randall's, Vented about a little was in bit the here. booth today, or not the booth, the uh, uh, studio pregame studio. Yeah, sure or false? Randall J. Sanders has been aggressively picketing and protesting outside the Northwestern Athletics Department offices, saying, "Bring Joe home, let him manage and be the head coach of the baseball team, so we can get him off marquee." I, here's my thing, though. I don't think that would do the trick. I think Joe Girardi would still be on marquee <laughs> if he's the, yeah. like, cause he's right there in Evanston and he's just gonna be like, and he's going to use it as a recruiting opportunity. You know, it's just like Tony Gwynn used to do like ESPN major league baseball games and still be the San Diego state head coach. I think he'd still come on to marquee and just do games. Like when Northwestern didn't have games playing. So like, I don't know if it would do the trick, but I, what wrote or ran, uh, Randall really should does go to UCF when they were like, when Joe was putting it out there, Hey, UCF offered me a job. Um, but yeah, I think that I know a lot of white Sox fans. Cause there was a report um, that Chris Getz, who's the like white Sox vice president of player development, um, there were a lot of White Sox fans that want to get Chris Getz out of <laughs> player development for the White Sox. They want to get him out of the White Sox organization. Uh, Chris Getz, a former uh, Michigan Wolverine and a former White Sox baseball player. Uh, they, they were picketing for that. So uh, it is interesting, though. I did see today that Northwestern said their baseball coach isn't actually fired. Oh, He's God. Just definitely suspended, but he will not be coaching again. I'm assuming that's just some legal issues they have to work out to fire the guy. But they're like, no, 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 he's not fired. He's just indefinitely suspended, but he will not be coaching again. (laughs) What a mess. I'll tell you that that surprised me Uh, of any headline that came back from the States when I was out of the country here. What the hell happened at Northwestern? Wait, what? And and then it just kept getting worse and worse. And I saw in the last two days or so, the athletic director has some comments from a book that he wrote that's now blowing up and pissing people off. What a disaster there, Randall, down the street. I blame you. You got to get over there and clean things up over in Evanston. Well, Evanston, not just down the street for me. It's a little further than that. It's more over than down. Uh, But Jeremy, you know what? It it didn't occur to me until you said it just now that even Girardi taking that Northwestern head coach job wouldn't do us any good because, you know, you're right. I can see that exact scenario playing out. He does his head coaching from the college baseball season is what, February to June, March to June. He does his head coaching and then, you know, he'll spend some time on what I assume is the college baseball recruiting trail. I don't know what that's like, but he'll find his time to make his way back into the marquee booth and we won't be rid of him completely. So, you know what? That didn't occur to me until you said it. And now if that exact thing, you know, transpires, I'm going to blame you. 
Randall, it's not even June because a school like Northwestern, they're not making not the, getting the College, the college series. World Series. Probably not yeah. making the NCAA tournament. Right. It's like it's like March. It's like February, late February, March to like late April is what Northwestern yeah. schedule Man. is. They won 10 games last year. He should have um, taken that UCF job that wasn't yeah. actually offered to him. Uh, and then the other thing is you were talking about this Northwestern scandal. Let's let's not forget that they're on. This is their second president and athletic director in like the last three years because their last president yeah. athletic director had to go because they had a, a cheerleading scandal that they didn't react well enough to and they were out so they, they're on another one and of course their previous athletic director was the jim phillips who was there for a long time uh former university of illinois guy um who's now the commissioner of the acc so he kind of left and then everything went to yeah. hell after he left well jeremy gets very sensitive about northwestern of course chicago's Big Ten team, yeah. um, so I think I think inside Jeremy's kind of loving that uh, there's problems there on the Northwestern campus. Uh, we're short on time here, but we're talking trade deadline, and I know Jeremy's got a little bit of travel coming up here. But if the Cubs do anything big, emergency pod, and hopefully Jeremy, you'll get a chance to join us. But if not, Randall and I will hold it down. But outside of the Cubs, who do you think is the biggest name or the biggest player that ends up getting traded here before the deadline next week? You know, it's hard to say just because there are so many teams that are still in it. And again, Shohei is officially, again, off the board. I don't think he was going. I'm wondering if Giolito might end up being the biggest name who goes. He is a former All-Star, talented pitcher. I'm wondering if that might be the biggest name just because, again, there are still so many teams who are still you know, close to being in it with the additional wild card. And there's, it's just not a, the strongest trade market this season anyway. So I'm wondering if Giolito might end up being that biggest name who goes, especially if we assume the Cubs don't trade Bellinger or Stroman. Yeah. I thought, you know, like Shane Bieber might be a guy who's go, but he he's hurt now. They just moved him to the 60 uh, day IL. So he's yeah, not conducive to probably trades. not going to trade him. Um, yeah, yeah, the 60 day IL. I still think the Cardinals make some moves. I I don't think they're gonna make big moves. I don't think like Arenado and Goldschmidt are going anywhere. We should be but so lucky. I, I I mean I I do think it's possible Goldschmidt goes somewhere. He only has like a year or two left on his contract here for this year. I mean he's getting older, but uh I think they're pitchers. I think Jordan Montgomery goes. I think uh, uh Jack Flaherty goes. I, I hope they go sooner rather than later, to be honest. Yes, please. Um I I saw them. They were like negotiating with Jordan Hicks to try to get an extension done before the deadline. Otherwise, they'll trade him. I, I think they should just trade him. I don't. Yeah. Don't, don't trouble to... yourselves. Exactly. Um. So I think those are kind of some names that I can see going. And I also think like Eduardo Rodriguez um, from the Tigers is kind of a big name. We'll go. I think the guy we saw today, Lance Lynn, will probably get traded somewhere. I think somebody's going to buy. <laughs> he still has like strikeout stuff. I think somebody's going to buy into him. I still think the White Sox are going to have a fire sale. I think their bullpen's probably like going to go. We saw Ray Logo uh, with uh, Ronaldo Lopez along with Lucas Giulio. Still think like Joe Kelly goes. You could see some other guys like Keenan Middleton who pitched today or, or maybe even Kendall Graveman who has a year left uh, go. Um, so like those are all kind of big names I could kind of see going, but I don't think there's going to be like that name that like it's going, oh my God, they traded him like that Juan Soto last year. I don't think I don't think we're going to see that. So yeah, it's totally possible that Lucas G. Leo, you can make the argument yeah. he got traded, and he might be the biggest guy. But I think think like a Jack Flaherty, uh, Jordan Montgomery at the Cardinals, those those type of names go. Uh, babe, here's a name: Blake Snell could go if the Padres continue mm-hmm. themselves Ooh. out of it. And who knows what the Mets are doing? Yeah, I'll uh, see the Padres here actually next week. They're in for a couple of games against the Rockies, and that's a team I want to see uh, uh, in person. Uh, two out this of three season. to the Pirates. Right uh, I've got to throw one more name out there. This is a bit tongue-in-cheek, but i got to pay some respect here 
to the Colorado Rockies. How about all-star game MVP Elias Diaz, who could potentially be traded? Every team wants to add a catcher, right, if you're in contention. Every team wants to add an all-star game MVP. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, that was the most shocking thing when I woke up the next day and I said, okay, what happened to the all-star game? Wait, what? Uh, Who did what now? Here's not surprising news, though, with the Rockies. Back on the I.L., Chris Bryant. Fractured, fractured finger. finger. Uh, God, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, the Rockies gave him just under $180 million, and that has been a disaster of a contract. But Elias Diaz, maybe that's a guy that's on the move. Jeremy, you mentioned CJ Crone earlier. That's another guy certainly that could move. I think uh, something that they've been wondering about here in Denver has been Charlie. Is Charlie Blackman going to finish out his career as a Rocky? Does he get moved? Uh, is there any more Charlie Blackman beyond this year? But uh, not something that Cubs fans are certainly worrying about at this point. Mm-hmm. All right, Randall. Cubs are going to St. Louis, your favorite city in all of the United States this weekend. A four-game set before a big seven-game homestand. You got the Reds coming to town. You got the Braves coming to town. But first things first, you got to go down there to Missouri. What are we looking at weather-wise this weekend? You're telling me late July in St. Louis, yuck, right? It's got to be yes, yucky. Yes, yuck, armpit. There's a lot of adjectives you could use. So we, of course, are always fortunate to have the weather provided to us by Alexander Hall of Cubs Weather. Both can be found on Twitter at those same names. And Alexander writes for us that the series vibe for this four gamer down in uh, St. Louis, the Gateway City, is hell, but make it St. Louis. Now, I have often called St. Louis hell, but meteorologically, it will be accurate this weekend. There are heat alerts out for Thursday and Friday. Stay hydrated, folks. That is Alexander's advice, and I echo that advice. Stay hydrated. So four different start times this weekend. Thursday, it'll be a 645 central time start in the evening. There will be a heat advisory in effect. It'll be 102 degrees with a heat index of 109 around game time. It'll still be mid to upper 90s by the end of the game, but it'll be clear. You're not going to get rained on, I guess, for better or for worse, with a light wind out to left field around five miles per hour. Friday night is a 7.15 central time start. A heat advisory will still be in effect. It'll be 98 degrees with a heat index of about 103 at game time, low to mid 90s by game's end. Again, clear and again, a light wind out to left field at 10 miles per hour. Saturday is a 6.15 start, and it'll be only 94 degrees with the heat index of only 101 with an outside shot at a thunderstorm, partly cloudy, light winds to the right side, 5 to 10 miles per hour. And then Sunday, the series finale, 1.15 central time, it'll simply be regular St. Louis warm, 89 degrees, a pinch less humid, clear winds in from center field, 10 to 15 miles per hour. So it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of chance of rain this weekend, but lots of chances of dangerous heat. And you know what? If you're going to fly into the pits of hell with the season on the line, you might as well do it heroically. So stay hydrated if you're going to any of those games in St. Louis this weekend. We are, as always, fortunate to be provided weather by at Alexander Hall of Cubs Weather, the account that he runs with two other wonderful individuals, Andrew and Colin. Follow him, follow them, follow at Cubs Weather so you can know just how much armpit it's going to feel like if you are headed to St. Louis this weekend. Gross. Very gross. Yeah, uh, major yuck. I will say Alexander Hall, um, and I think I said Twitter account. Should should we be calling it an X yeah. account? At yeah, this point? look, sending out still, the zeets. Do, do you call it the Sears Tower or do you call it the – yeah, so <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Uh, but I do want to shout out Alexander Hall. Uh, some incredible photos up on his account here over the last couple of days. Um, shelf 
clouds is that Gulf the right cloud. term that's the, yeah. the storm as it moves in uh there in brooklyn it, amazing imagery and uh an account worth following there uh for that alone it looks like he's enjoying it too uh we've been getting some storms here in colorado uh it's been awesome actually delayed the landing of the flight coming back in from london we were in the air for nine and a half hours and then it took another 30 minutes circling the airport to let a storm roll through here but uh very neat to see that here and randall it rained every single day i was in ireland 10 days 10 days of rain it wasn't raining the entire time but every single day at least one point of every day there was a real rain shower a very green country out there i was gonna say i have to imagine irish rain just smells different feels different irish spring irish spring that's right and ronan isn't that just typical you end the long journey and you have trouble finding a parking space when you when you come back isn't that just typical it i was ready to get off that airplane uh by that point in time and that was our second flight of the day because we have to go from dublin to london and then london here to denver and that's always tough when you start the trip going the wrong direction right when you're in dublin you got to go east when Really, you got to go west. So we flew to London, changed planes, flew back over Ireland, and then back down to the U.S. Something that I hadn't thought about, I just want to share with you guys real quickly here weather-wise, is Ireland and the Isles up there are much further north than you'd think. Like, I think when I think of a globe, I think, oh, it's just sort of far east from Illinois. It's a lot further north as well. It was light out, guys, at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, like bright out. So that was cool to see here. And that was something that as you're acclimating to the time change, you're getting used to being in new places. It's like, what time is it? Boy, it feels like it's seven o'clock right now and it's 1030 at night. So that took a bit of getting used to. That would that would certainly throw me off. I'm just imagining you with an Indiana Jones style uh, map travel montage showing the airplane and the, the colored the colored line from point A to point B as you fly over the map. Well, I've got one final thing. Actually, that reminded me about montages. I had an incredible thing happen to me in both Scotland and Ireland, and I'm actually putting together a collage, not a montage, but a collage. The number of troughs that are still viable in both of those places, <laughs> I was so proud. Like and every time, exact, every time I'd go into a pub, <laughs> and some of those pubs opened in like the 1700s, and I'd see the trough, I took a picture of it, I'd come out, I'd be so excited, coming out of the bathroom going, that was a world-class trough. So good on the Scots, good on the Irish, keeping the tradition going. They love their troughs. And I will share my collage once I'm done with all those pictures of troughs that I took in uh, Ireland and Scotland. I've got a title for your impending work of art. Call it Chalet Leaks. Chalet Leaks. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Well, guys, uh, Cubs got a big weekend here in St. Louis. We will be watching. And if there is a big trade that the Cubs make, we'll get an emergency pod here. Uh, Looking forward to it. I'm feeling good. The Cubs are one under 500 at this point tomorrow. Keep it rolling into what should be a wild homestand, too, to open up the month of August at Wrigley Field. So that's all we got on this edition of Behind the Yellow Line. We will see you soon. Go Cubs, go. Let's keep it rolling as they head down to St. Louis.